Australian Rescue Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Rescue Podcast. My name's Steve Monroe and it's good to be with you today. Uh, today I have got a special guest, Lachlan Lansdowne, better known as uh, Lockie. Um, and tell you what mate, just looking at uh, the accolades that you've had over the last several years, just from your water sports, I am quietly in awe. I feel like I'm talking to the next Trevor Hendy. If anybody remembers him. <laughs> I don't know about, yeah, a bit far off um, that level. <laughs> I have raced against his son before, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, if anybody doesn't know, Trevor Handy was a, a world Ironman champion, um, what, back in the 90s or something? Um, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, you, you've come through now winning a whole bunch of medals and things in the stand-up paddleboard championships around the world at various comps and things. Yeah. So prone prone paddling. How long have you been doing that for? Um, well oh, to really think about it essentially about ten years. But you know, the the more competitive side, the more racing side and the long distance stuff it's been oh, maybe about the last six or seven. So yeah. Mum and dad made us do nippers. And that's kind of how we got into it. We weren't too too keen on it to start off, but um, yeah, ended up changing a lot of things in my life and really the direction of where I've headed to. And yeah, it's now turned into pretty much my job, and everything kind of depends on it. <laughs> so, what have you? What age did you start doing all that kind of stuff? Because um, obviously, I interviewed your dad uh, just recently, and so. You guys are based up in uh, the sunny coast, and uh, what you're heading up at uh, Noosa Surf Club there. Yeah, um, well, we moved up here on my tenth birthday from Victoria, so basically just started it from there. So that was it. You know, so yeah, mum and dad just forced us to the nippers when we moved up because we had no ocean skills, and they said, you know, if you want to live in the area, you got to learn a little bit about the ocean. That's, that's kind of how it ended up. One thing led to another and just kept going and on and on and on to where it's at now. Yeah, and the the rest became history, I suppose. That's about it. Yeah, fair enough. And it sounds like you've uh, been keeping busy, but uh, tell us about some of these comps you've been going on. What's, uh, what's the latest one you've been on? Um, It's kind of like pretty much the end of my off-season now. I've just started back training, so... Basically, all through um, winter, I try to go to America and race um, like long distance paddleboard races. So it, it's a pretty silly sport. Basically, you just paddle from one location to another for a ridiculous amount of hours. So the the main yeah. race I do, I train for, is um, Molokai to Oahu, where you basically just paddle from two islands or one island to the next through open ocean in Hawaii. So, yeah, it usually takes about five and a half hours. It's 56 wow. kilometers. So, yeah. Well, it doesn't seem that crazy. I mean, to have to go to uh, Hawaii or somewhere like that and go, you know what, I'm just going to go paddle for a few hours. and can't be that bad. But <laughs> I'm, I'm looking here at a, a news article. It says that um, you claimed the title at the World Paddleboard Championships. That's a pretty good effort. Yeah, there's um, 
each year we have a, an ISA World Championships where you have to be selected into the um, Australian team to race. And um, I've been lucky enough to go to the last three of them. First one was in um, Mexico, and I, I won one of the races. And then we were in Fiji after that. And then the next one was in Denmark, and that was um, last year. And I won both the races there. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. We get to race in some really unique locations and yeah, it's good just having you know, all the crew there, little world championship. <laughs> so good. Is it anything like the surf, world surf uh, comps, where you just have this big party and it's just the um, next, you know, tour after tour after tour? Um, no, that's not like that. They're more, um, they're all kind of one-off events. So, I mean, like, the world championship is just a, a single one-off race and it's whoever's better on the day takes it home. It's not... You know, you're not adding up points or anything, so a, a bit of luck does come into it. But yeah, that, that's, that's kind of how it works. And we're, we're not quite at the stage yet where the sport's ready to have a full championship yeah. to us. So. Uh, fair enough. Well, we'll look out for it uh, when that happens. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, um, but look, let's let's have a little bit more of a look at uh, some of the stuff that you've done as well. Um, you grew up doing nippers and stuff. Um, but then went into surf lifesaving as well. Probably a natural progression, I guess. Yeah, well, that was it. Um, I never really enjoyed doing so much of the patrolling when I was younger. It was kind of, um, you know, to to be able to race within the surf lifesaving competitions, we had to do a minimum set of hours for the year. I never really enjoyed it. But then as I got a bit older, turned 18, applied to be a professional lifeguard. And... Yeah, that's kind of been my job ever since, last couple of years. And, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed doing that work and working with the team there up, up at Noosa, really. Had a few interesting ones over the years. But, yeah, that, that's kind yeah. of what I do now for my income. That's pretty good. So it's a bit more than just sitting around on the top of the lifeguard tower and perving at all the young <laughs> ladies that walk past, I assume. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really funny how it works. I mean, everyone has different experiences, but I mean, there's been periods there where I've, I've gone six months and not had to get wet. And then there's been other days when I've done 40 to 50 rescues. Well, us, you know, as a team, have done 40 to 50 rescues in a single day. So, mm. yeah, it, it really comes and goes yeah, how it works. That's crazy. It it does get does get pretty lonely there at stages. <laughs> well, take us through one of the jobs that you had in uh, December 2017 because uh, you're actually awarded, uh, along with a few other guys, uh, Rescue of the Month. Uh, what happened then? That was that was a, a really strange one. It was, I don't know, it was just kind of meant to be. It was... Well, take us through the day. Yeah, a, 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 really, a really odd one. So, um... As well as being yeah professional lifeguard, I still do volunteer through the club. So um, on this particular day, I was back volunteering, which it's almost like a, a step down. So mm. it's all right, it's, you know, nice and relaxing. And we had a, a really nice day, and we come to late afternoon, and we have um, a, one of the blokes, John. It was his um, one of his first or second patrols at the club, so he's, he's quite new to the whole thing, and um, through. Uh, the area that we patrol, there is a, a large amount of um, national park, which is, so we have our small area, but 
we are the closest patrol to the national park. So if anything does happen, we are we're the ones called to attend to it. Right. So um, we have a, a strip called Alexandria Bay, and that's a very long, maybe two-kilometre-long beach. Absolutely beautiful, but it's not patrolled. So there's two emergency beacons, one at each end of the beach, and there's a little kind of goat trail, and that's the only way to get into it. So, um, yeah, John being new on patrol, we decided to... Um, you know, we'd go over and show John the track. So just say something goes wrong, John's now able to now go over and, you know, he knows the way through through the, the national park and he knows how to use the radios over there. Good idea. So we just putted around, took our time. You know, we stopped at a few places, had a look at a few of the, the different exits. You know, if something goes wrong here, this is how you access, you know, that beach and all that. We've gone down to A Bay, and we've driven down the very exit, and straight in front of us, there was six guys going out, straight out to see a rip. So, perfect timing, I guess, if we had been, you know, two minutes earlier, we wouldn't have seen them, because they wouldn't have been in the water. If we had been two minutes later, they would have been too far out to see them, we wouldn't have noticed them, we would have driven straight past, so... Mm. Pure, pure chance. So, they weren't going out in the rip for a swim, they were just stuck in it, and just being done they, they were going out to sea yeah right so yeah um i first looked at it and say like, oh i made, made a little joke like oh yeah we might we have to go out for a rescue here he goes oh yeah and you know he was joking around he's like oh yeah i, I get it you know it's my first patrol it's like bondi rescue where are the cameras <laughs> and then I, I had another look at it and gone oh hang on like no this, this is actually quite serious you know we're actually gonna have to go here and um, I first I first looked at the the first two patients, and they're the first two people I saw. So I um, paddled in and spoke to them. I said, you know, do we have any more other people here? They're like, yeah, there's there's three more people further out. So probably a little mistake on my hand there. I, I you know I should have radioed in before I went in because I I went into the water originally thinking I'm going to get two people and then all of a sudden I've got six people and we only have two lifesavers. Mm. So that was our, our first little dilemma and I'm paddling out to sea and I couldn't see any of them. So John's running behind me and picked up the first two. So that, that's fine, they're, they're sorted. Yeah, they're on the beach now, they're safe, yeah. Yep, and then I'm paddling out to sea and I look out and maybe 200 metres out to sea there's there's three of them there, and one of them's lying face down, unconscious already, and the two friends are struggling to swim. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting. So I just kind of stuck my head down and and paddled my way out there, really as quick as I could. And another thing that was just just pure pure chance. I just I cannot believe it. Um, we have one of our our roving jet skis just happened to go past it at the time. Mm. And he saw us run into the water. And, you know, he come over and see it. I had a look like, oh, what's going on here? He come over. Because he'd recognise you two guys, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, we're on a beach, you know, there's there's no one else on the whole two-kilometre strip, you know, not a single other person. And he's just seen us run in with, you know, two rescue boards, or a rescue board and a tube. Yeah. So he's come over, and um, the guys are just absolutely frantic. 
So the first, he beat me to the, the three of them. Um, yeah, he beat me to the three of them. And the first one climbs up on the gunnel of the jet ski, almost tips the jet ski over and starts like grabbing at his vest. And That's how desperate like, they were. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's two of them doing that. So as much as he, you know, you, you hate to do it, he's actually had to pick one of them up and throw him back in the water mm. so he hasn't knocked over the ski itself. Um, yeah. So he's back in the water and he's taken one of them in. So I'm paddling out. I've finally got to the two patients to the left. And uh, one patient is uh, sitting there laying across the top of the unconscious patient's body to hold him afloat. What? Yeah. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's what the situation that I really paddled into. So I've looked over and gone, where's the other person? And realised he's actually underneath him. Good grief. Okay. Great mate. So. Yeah. Yeah. I got there, paddled over to him, and he's just like left him. So I ended up getting the guy on onto my rescue board. Mm. And then I pushed him away and just kind of let him roll in with the surf. So now I was out the back, had no rescue gear, and I am... Like duck diving, breaststroking, in the waves, trying to find the unconscious patient. Oh, who's dropped in now. So, yeah, I've, I've lost him in the surf. So mm. I'm, like, swimming underwater. I can't see anything because it's all aerated with the waves. And basically, I'm just kind of feeling around for him. Um, two waves went past, and I ended up, I found him again. So I, I picked him up. So I, at that stage, yeah, I had no rescue equipment. I had nothing. I was just kind of standing on a sandbar now at this stage, maybe 200 metres out to sea, just with nothing. So, yeah, that, that was uh, an interesting one. Um, ended up, the jet ski got the first guy back to the beach and then come back out and... Yep, the one who was sitting on him. Yep, come back out and pick me up with the other patient. So, that was, that was good. A bit of my, my lifeguard training come into it there because as lifesavers, we're not taught to deal with jet skis, but with the lifeguards, we are. Right. So that was, that was good. Jumped on the back and um, we got him into shore and we we're driving so fast we got about ten meters to shore and I lost yeah. him. This is this these things happen so. sometimes. It's, yeah, it's water. It's wet. Yeah. Um, yep. The way we hold him is it's called a leg lock. So we climb onto the sled ourselves and hold him in in a lock on their legs. And I just couldn't hold him for you know that that little bit more, but. Ended up going back, grabbing him, dragging him off at the beach. At this stage, um, John had gone and, and run up and rescued, uh, sorry, um, radioed to our, you know, mm. basically our dispatch to get more people to come in and, you know, had the helicopter and, and other things on the way. Um, I dragged him up the beach. John gave me a hand with that. The other thing with Alexandria Bay, there's no radio communications apart from Oh. Those beacons that are permanently there. So we had no phone reception, no radio reception. So when John had to go message him, he had to run 200 metres up the beach, up into the sand dunes to reach the emergency beacon to then get a message out. So that's, you know, absolute nightmare situation really there. Um. 
I was pulling him up on the beach and from where our buggy is parked, which is where our mm. DCB and everything is, um, that was now 200 plus metres away from where we've been washed in. That's a long way to run, really. Yeah, so John's yeah. off back radioing, jet ski's gone out to sea. You're on your own. I'm on my own. With all the other people that uh, have been pulled in. Compl- uh, they're walking around doing circles and other guys gone and laid down looking at secondary yeah. drowning there already. Gosh, not knowing what's going on, yeah. Yeah, so he walked out of the surf himself and then laid down mm. and then started throwing up water. Oh, so, yeah, I'm sitting there on the beach by myself starting compressions, kind of tearing up in my mind. Do I leave him and run for the defib, or do I stay here and do compressions? Because, I mean, it was, yeah, like 200 metres away. It's a bit of a... Yeah. So, yeah. I ended up staying there doing compressions on the beach. And... <coughs> oh, had um had the other guys come over and give me a hand at the other stage after they'd all gone out and radioed out. That would have so, felt like a very long time to do that on your own. Yeah, it was it was a tough one as well. It wasn't really like a, I guess, I mean, there's no textbook kind of CPR, but I mean, I'd do three compressions yeah. and then I'd see him, um, I'd see the water levels in his mouth rise up. So yeah, He's um, full of water, yeah. Yeah, I'd do three compressions, turn him on his side and drain him. Mm-hmm. And then I'd um, do another three compressions and then have to drain him again. And I did maybe five rounds of that, of only three compressions at a time. Um, And then I got to doing a round of six before he, you know, before I saw him fill up with water again. Then got another round of six out, then a round of 30. And then after the round of 30, I saw me gasp. And then after that, I got another round of 30 in, and he started breathing, but still unconscious. But yeah. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. It wasn't, you know, you know, you're told all these things that, like, this will happen, you know, you do your, your certain set of rounds, and then, you know, you're finally in, in a situation where you're looking at it, and you go, uh, yeah, I'm almost making this up myself. This is nothing to what I've seen in the textbook. So, yeah, it's and, strange. And another thing, that's not something that uh, you typically see or, or hear about in your first aid courses as well, um, where they say, you know, do a couple of compressions if it's been a drowning victim or whatever. No, no, it's none of that. It's just, oh, if they've fallen in the pool and they're unconscious, we'll just, just go nuts. So um, That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I did... I had a look at him, and we have a, a bunch of friends who are um, ambulance officers, and they, they said that, like, oh, it's pretty common sense. If you see water in them, don't blow into them because it's just pushing the water into their lungs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't take a well, didn't put a single breath in for the whole time I was there. Wow. So, yeah, that was it. I mean, I just kept seeing water in his mouth, so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be pushing it back down. No, just empty him out. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, that was interesting. <clears throat> had um had that come about, and then he's just come back conscious, and his um his friends come over to us, 
So he's, oh, sorry, well, still unconscious, but breathing. Mm. And one of his friends that we also rescued come over and just started yelling at us. Started just abusing us, screaming at us. Just like, where's the helicopter? This isn't good enough. What's going on? Gosh. Just, you know, I'm guessing he's all in shock, but mm. we didn't really need to be copping that at the time. So one of the guys, um, yeah, kind of polite. We just told him to go sit in the corner and, you know, <laughs> we're doing what we can. Yeah. So, yeah, no, nah, that was, um, in many ways, that was a, a very strange rescue. It took a while for the Ambos to get in. They yeah, they would have to navigate through all the, the little twisty bits yep. in the yep. bush. And then, you know, the other, the wife, wife savers ended up bringing him in on, it, on our buggies again. Right. So we also had a, a communication error where our dispatch didn't tell them that they were doing CPR. So, Oh, so of course it's not going to be a priority to them. None of them drove their lights and sirens. So we, we were waiting there for a while. They also um, cancelled the ambulance chopper as well because they said we weren't doing CPR. Oh, heck. Right. So, yeah, we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. No one's coming. It's been 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Sitting there and then Ambos turn up and first thing they ask, oh, you, you guys did CPR? And they're like, yeah. They're like, oh, nobody told us that. We would have been here 20 minutes ago. Oh wow! Like oh yeah, <laughs> thanks. So yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty lucky the way the way things ended out. I mean, like because if he didn't end up regaining consciousness and breathing again, well, it could have been a really different story. You know, thirty yeah. minutes without. You know, in in our life guard, life saver kits, we don't actually have that much. Basically, we have a oxygen kit, defib, and a vast selection of band-aids so um <laughs> yep yeah there's really at the end of the day once we pull them out of the water there's, there's not too much we can be doing for them no just checking the vitals and uh, seeing how they're going i guess that's it how old was um your casualty there um i'm gonna say mid-20s yeah, so yeah the, the other thing like we walked off the beach and they're all sitting there and they've all got big esky full of beers so they're all, all pissed as well, which, yeah, we weren't, weren't too happy about. doesn't really help the situation. No, I guess it doesn't. Gosh. And um, being a lifesaver, I suppose you'd, you'd see a lot of that sort of thing um, to an extent, probably not quite this extreme usually, though. Nah. Um, I mean, like, we do do a bunch of board rescues and other things, but that's, um, yeah, well, I've, I've been working as a lifeguard and, you know, three days a week minimum for five years and that's the first time I've had to do any kind of CPR. So it's not really, for our area, it's not a super common thing to be happening. Like, you know, it's not like Bondi Rescue where you're watching this, things go down everywhere. Um, yeah, we're kind of, a lot of our stuff is uh, prevention work. Yeah, okay. So, so when you say you get 80 jobs a day or something, is that telling somebody to get back between the flags and then you go, oh, yeah, there's another one for the day? Yeah, or, I mean, that that's anything from, yeah, exactly that. We're going out or we're paddling out and just go, hey, guys, you know, just you're not in a good area, move back this way. To, yeah, even just straight up telling them, no, nah, you're, not, you're not going in the water here, that's too dangerous, you know, move, move on this way. But 
that's the thing. Like where we work, we do have um, it's about eight kilometres of national park, and we have no eyes in the park at all. So I mean, a lot of things we do, we just get called out to the park. You know, just get a phone call. Hey, like my friend's got a broken leg, and we're in this situation, and can you come get us, kind of thing. So I mean. All of a sudden, we got to leave all our resources on the beach and kind of leaves us really wide open if something goes wrong on the beach because we've all, we all got all our, our manpower out in the park at the time. So, yeah. Well, do you have any other resources you can call on? I mean, you've got, you know, a few people, um, you know, manning the beach or whatever, I guess, and you've probably got capacity for, yeah. you know, maybe two jobs going down at a time. But say you had three jobs or another you know, where you've got to go and do a search in the bush or something, do you then go, oh, well, hang on a minute, let's call in the the cops or we'll call in the SES yeah, or, um, or, or whatever? Uh, I don't think we've, to my knowledge, I, I don't know if we've ever done anything with SES. We've had, we do have our lifesaver helicopter. Oh, yeah. Comes past. The, the Westpac one? That's it. That's yeah. the one. Um, and a few of um our lifeguards that work at Noosa also work on the helicopter on the on the off days, so that's um, quite handy. But we also have like a near endless amount of, of lifeguard stations down the coast. You know, if something else is going on, you you station either side of you. You know, you'll hear it going on the radio. Just get in there. Do you need a hand? You know, we're fine here with people. Do you want us to send someone over? Or, yeah. yeah. So that'd be like the likes of Coolum or. <laughs> I don't know, Marcus Beach, or I, I don't know which, but I'm just looking on the map here right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, That's it. Um, there are two, well, the two main stations I work at are Noosa, Maine, or uh, Sunshine Beach. Yeah. So, I mean, that they work to either side of the national park, which is, which is good. And, you know, um, like school holidays and things, we know it's getting busy. Um, we, like, double to triple our staff. Ah, right. So through winter at Noosa, Maine, we'll have two people, but through summer holidays, we'll have five. So, I mean, that, that really helps Jeez. It helps order things out. Sounds like it uh, can be very eventful. Um, you mentioned before we started um, a job that you did at Easter as well. What happened then? Uh, um, we just, it was a really interesting one. It would have been... Oh, maybe two days before Easter holidays, so we didn't actually have the extra the extra guys on. We just, um, you know, two days before we got the extra staff, and I had some lady just run up to the tower and said, "Oh, someone's unconscious in the water down the beach." Like, what? What's going on here? And a couple hundred meters down the sand, um, some lady had dragged uh, a bloke out, and um, he's just there, but he was. That are unconscious but very slightly breathing. So ended up, I ended up being first one there and dragged him out. Um, basically, just drained about three liters of water out of him. It was ridiculous. I've never seen so much water in someone before. And um, yeah, going back to what I said before, like we can't do much more. Basically, we just sat there and wait for the ambos to turn up. We put um, put oxygen on him and. That that was really essentially it. Just sat there and tried to drain as much water as we can. Um, Ambos turned up um, and sat there, had a couple of looks at him, got him back up conscious and talking, and um, just took him to hospital. 
So that, uh, so, that was about it. Bit of a scary one yeah. that didn't last too long on the beach for us, thankfully. Uh, fortunate. I mean, do you, do you hear those jobs? You think, beauty, we've got a real job. Let's all go. And, you know, five of you all run down the beach there or something. Or is it great? It's like, oh, great, another one. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. we got to have someone. Like, we have to look at that. Like, essentially, um, we can't leave our flags unmanned. So if we if we leave the flags, if there's no one there, no one to watch the water, we have to drop the flags. So yeah, that's it. But that day we we're lucky. We had um, we had one of the boys who was off duty just in the car park, so he came down to help me out with that at the time. Um, and we had one of the other guys from one of the close stations come down and drive down and just sit and watch our area while it was going down. So yeah, that that was. Yeah, another unique one. And another strange one I've had at Noosa is one of the, the heavier ones I've had was um, when I first started working, I was actually, the first job I ever did as a lifeguard, just turned 18, was a car crash. Oh, wow. Let's, let's just, um, before you tell us about that crazy story, let's just define what a lifeguard is and a lifesaver because we keep hearing these two two words being thrown around, I suppose. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of confusing, I see, because... Um, both really. Um, a lifeguard is a paid professional, works on the beach Monday to Friday. Lifesavers are volunteers, uh, work just on the weekends and public holidays. So, right. Um, to become a lifeguard, you have to double or even triple all of your qualifications to become the, um, the, the paid professional. So, as a lifesaver, you need six people to run the beach. As a lifeguard, you can open with just one. Oh, right. That's, yeah. Yeah. Definitely different. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, um, lifeguard, you have to have uh, more advanced first aid. You have to do a much bigger fitness test. You have to have a jet ski qualification so you can drive the ski. Um, you have to have your little buggy license. So basically, you, you're ready for any situation basically by yourself. So, yeah, because some of the stations we work are single-man stations, but most of the stations we work are two to three men. Yeah, I think I'd want to go with two or three at least, minimum. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Stand up in the tower, yeah. do your Baywatch or uh, Bondi Rescue and, uh, yep, I'll stay here, man, the radio. You go off and do your thing. Yeah, sometimes that's the more stressful one because you're meant to be the one looking after everyone. <laughs> I'd, rather the be the guy, yeah. I'd rather be the guy handing out Band-Aids on the boardwalk. <laughs> well, tell us about this other job you uh, just briefly mentioned before I cut you off. Yeah, um, I, I had hardly anything to do with it. I actually had one of the senior guards just turn around and tell me, he said... Nah, you don't need to deal with that. You're a bit younger. Go back and watch the water. But um, <laughs> righto. It, it was I'd been working for about two weeks at the time, so very very fresh to the whole guarding system because it's quite different how we all run and operate. We all you know operate different, have different ways of setting up, and you know just kind of order things, and we just in general operate kind of differently. Mm. So, um, yeah, I was there and we had, um, once again, one of the off-duty guards. It, it 
terrible when you keep coming to your work on your days off. But, um, <laughs> Can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> exactly, that's it. I was, I was there again today, actually. But uh, <laughs> Love the water too much, yeah. <laughs> it's like family, hey? Yeah. yeah, he's come running up to the tower and said there's a car crash. You guys, you know, the, you're the only ones in the, the street that's really got first aid on you. So um, we both both ran over and um, I walked down to the car crash and it was just the worst condition I've ever seen a human body in. And that's when I was told, um, yeah, you're a bit younger, you'll be um, going back to watch the tower and I'll be the one dealing with this. Right. That's probably a good thing in a way. Yeah. So I'm actually, yeah, kind of happy and found out the guy who's basically a car had come from the top of the hill and hit three people on the way down and cleaned out one guy. The other guy basically just looked at him, walked past, said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you, next patient. So I ended up running around a few of the other places in town just going, "Um, anyone with first aid supplies, we need you in the street right now. And then went back and and watched the water. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. Probably... One that you guys as, as fireys and things wouldn't have seen as much, but me as a lifeguard, I was wetting my pants a little bit. <laughs> well, particularly if you if your first couple of weeks on the job and you you be thinking, oh great, oh, where's Dad? <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I'm sitting there, you know, sitting at the beach. This is amazing. You're watching the sunsets, and this is the best job in the world. And then all of a sudden, you you're looking at that and going, oh, okay, this is a little bit more serious than I thought. <laughs> Well, it didn't make you want to think, oh, am I in the right career or not? Or, you know, obviously nah. you're still there. But... Well, I was there. I'd been living in the town for five years at that stage, and it's the first car crash I'd seen there. So I thought, you know, I'm, oh, how often can it be? It's got to be a one off kind of thing, doesn't it? And we haven't really had one since. So it's, I guess we're kind of right. Yeah, fortunately, that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, Lockie, it's been an absolute pleasure having a a chat with you today for uh, this episode. I've learned a lot myself, uh, particularly about uh, what Surf Lifesaving Australia do, but uh, also some of the practical things, I guess, more so with... um, you know what to do with a drowning victim. So um, you've you've taught me a fair bit. So I'm pretty happy about that. Thanks. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for the time. No worries. And look, um, I guess if anybody's hanging out in uh, Noosa anytime soon, they might find you on the beach. Yeah. Come say hello. We're not too scary. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, look, if uh, you've enjoyed this uh, podcast, make sure you do check us out online, arpodcast.org, um, and also jump online at our Facebook page as well, Australian Rescue Podcast. Just do a search there, the page or the group. And um, if you've got a great story, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, Lock the Lounge Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, cheers. Uh, this is the Australian Rescue Podcast. This is the Australian Rescue Podcast.